You are listening to the Salty Witches Podcast. I am your host for this episode, Mike, and I am joined by the irrepressible Austin, who is, I think, at the tail end of a difficult day from the, from the, just the sense I'm getting. Um, <clears throat> so this should be a fun episode. You are reading into things, sir. Oh, I'm mistaken. Yes. Oh, okay, that's right, I'm. I don't know you at all. We've only been together for five years. I, you're still a perfect stranger. I haven't developed any skills to read you at all, despite being a psychic. Well, um, <clears throat> I'm not at the until end of a of a bad day, so I don't know what you're thinking. Our topic this evening is ritual etiquette. Ah, um, I thought this one was kind of actually. Uh, kind of kind of a good like it was this was a good topic for us to do right now because we the last couple of episodes that we've done we we kind of got into similar kinds of things you know just the concept of you know better ways to behave because will you agree there's no one way to behave given you know or when you when you are uh, taking part in a ritual right there is no one way to behave that is true but there are some you know commonalities that should be observed. Yeah, like, yeah, like, general, like, like, these are, these are just, again, like I said, better ways to behave. Yeah. So, so let's talk about this, because I, you know, I think a lot of people, and we, and we know this, because we have this interaction with a lot of people that come into the shop, a lot of people right now in the process of looking out or seeking out community are looking for opportunities to be doing, um, you know, public ritual, right? Um, and that's really, I think I want to say for the most part, most of what people really have access to is public ritual, like open, there's no, um, you know, like say like your local witchy shop is doing like a, like we do this each month, right? We do, we do a public full moon ritual each mm-hmm. month, right? And that is something that is just open to the public, right? Um, but then, you know, that's really going to probably be the, the only opportunity or situations like that are going to be the only opportunities that people are going to have to do ritual work with a group, uh, short of actually dedicating into a coven. Yeah. Um, so, now that's got me thinking. Can you think of other situations where people might actually do public ritual? Um, yeah, weddings. Or, like, group ritual. Oh, well, I mean, okay, okay yeah, all right. So, yeah, if we're looking at, like, the mundane shit, okay, yeah, then you're, you're right, yes. People do get to take part in those things. But I think you'll, you will agree that a the average wedding ceremony is is really probably not too similar to yeah. a traditional um, witchcraft rite. If you're invited to a closed ritual by a coven, yeah, okay. Or say if you were working with maybe like a grove, yeah, which is not a coven, but it's also not something that would be entirely open to the public either. That's correct. Uh, anyway, as I was saying a moment ago, a lot of people I think are seeking out opportunities to become involved in ritual in this way because they're they've identified this as like this is another way for me to connect to community or mm-hmm. to establish community, and that does work. We've seen that happen where people will gather, you know, uh, the same people will gather um, over the course of you know uh, a few months at least, you know, and um, and friendships establish like you know people actually establish some connections mm-hmm. in that way. Um, is there anything that you could see about a ritual and be taking part in something like that that would better facilitate that kind of bond between people than, say, something like a book club or a study circle or some of these other things that we see pop pop up around, like, you know, just witchcraft and the, the pagan community? What is it that you think about a ritual that really kind of helps to establish those bonds maybe better? 
part of being in a ritual means that you have to have your guard down. Yeah. And so by having your guard down, you are, at that point in time, supposedly, the, um, you are laid bare, essentially, on an energetic level. You shouldn't just be wide open for everyone to read, but you also shouldn't be so closed off and clamped up that you are disrupting the flow of energy. And so that's what I think, that's what I think is a very good contributing factor to uh, public ritual as community. Okay. So would, would you would you advise, say, like if, um, you know, like, like students that come to your classes or people that come into the shop for services or just, you know, just, just people that come into the store to buy things, um, would you recommend doing something like, like this? Would you recommend actually attending a public ritual or, or service of some sort um, as a means of better introducing yourself or, or better maybe um, educating yourself on exactly kind of how witchcraft works? Yes, but not. we have to remember that not all witch, witches are going to function in ritual the same way. Oh, no, I understand. You know? um, so, so yes, it would give you an idea or an eye into that particular person's practice Mm -hmm. um but it wouldn't necessarily it wouldn't necessarily give you the this is how things go all the time always okay well i guess i didn't ask or answer or i didn't ask that question uh very well so i guess what i mean is in recommending or in suggesting that somebody maybe take part in something like this particularly someone who who has made it clear like that they have an interest in learning more studying more about witchcraft making witchcraft more part of their personal spiritual practice right Mm -hmm. um would you recommend something like this to somebody that they maybe attend something like this? Not yeah. not necessarily so much from the perspective of, of learning that particular ritual. But for right? experiencing ritual but, as a whole. Yes. Yeah. And you know, and and also actually kind of learning touching back upon the concept of community, right? I mm-hmm. think nothing teaches us more quickly about community as it would relate to witches working together then stepping in and actually finding our proper place within the structure of ritual. Yes. Right. Because that's going to tell you like, you're going to have people there, right? Whoever it is that's centering the ritual, that's going to tell you like, you speak now, you do this, you move here, you do, you know, like, and, and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, and it's not that they're necessarily, you know, bossing you around though, you know, maybe a a little bit, but, um, but in the process of community that gives you a chance to actually see, Oh, this is the work that I do to become kind of a part of the unit. Yeah. Right. This is how, you know, and, and I think that's one of the things that, um, a lot of people are missing, particularly when they're looking for, again, a sense of community. I guess, I guess where I'm going with that is that there are so many people out there that are like, well, I'm looking for community, you know, I'm looking for community, but in the process of, of kind of, figuring out what they mean by that, that very much, or I would say more often comes down to what they expect to gain from other people mm-hmm. rather than how they see themselves giving and what they're doing to continue really to earn the yeah. community that they want to be a part of. Yeah, I, I agree with that. There are a lot of people who um, want community and they think community means what you just said or a coven. And they think that by showing up because because you have you have you have two kinds of people in a public ritual setting only two um usually yes um just personalities as a as generally in like an umbrella you have the okay i'm here i have no expectations and we're gonna go and then you have the i'm here to wave around my wand because it's bigger and i'm gonna tell you what's wrong 
Um, and I've had a couple of those in the full moon ritual and it doesn't usually end up well for them. Not because I attack them, not because of anything like that, but because they don't actually get to experience it because they are not allowing themselves to. Instead, they showed up with a preconceived notion of what was going to happen. And when I do my initial spill of, yeah, we're not sitting down around a fire, sharing our feelings and releasing what no longer serves us. That's not what we're doing today. We're actually going to be harnessing particular powers and working with them. They boop, shut off because yeah. I'm wrong. Well, and then at that point though, even though they might still physically be in the room, they're really at that point no longer part of the ritual. Oh, yeah. Because anything that is done at that point, they're not going to really get any of the benefits. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so I guess the reason that I kind of took us down that little that little path there was one of the big things, getting back or turning back to the focus of etiquette, one of the big things that I like to tell people when they're looking at, at participating or, or, or taking part in some sort of a ritual with other practitioners is be ex prepared and go to that ritual with the idea that you are going to need to give more than you may get. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what I mean by that, okay. What I mean by that to be very clear is that doesn't mean that you are, you know, unless whoever's centering the ritual has given these assignments, right. Uh, that does not mean that you are, are going to be expected to be handing over all your money or going out and spending a bunch of money on offerings and things to bring to the ritual. unless that's, you know, part of the negotiation and the understanding of your involvement. Right. Um, so it's not about that. It's not about material giving. And it's also not about talking and expressing your own opinion and making that ritual entirely about, about you. you and what you would say and what you think. You know, it's not about giving verbally, giving those things. Because if you're not centering the ritual, you need to shut the fuck up. Mm -hmm. Your opinion and the way that you would do it doesn't matter unless the person who is centering the ritual asks you and if they have to ask you how to center their ritual they shouldn't be doing a ritual they should not be leading a ritual they need to know what they're doing before they get to the position of inviting who knows to gather around and do the thing um so but i always like to tell people be prepared to come and give more than you may receive because and, and really what i mean by that is that when you attend a ritual you really you do need to be there in not only body but in mind and spirit and you need to be prepared to give of your energy mm -hmm. to that right you know oftentimes the power that will be raised depending on the practice and the tradition <clears throat> the power that will be raised the emotion that can be stirred in a situation like that um the physical interaction because you know you could be working a mill right you could be and you're going to need to be giving your physical energy to, to do this. I mean, there, there are all kinds of things that can come up in different rituals based on the practice. Um, but be prepared to, to give. I, I would say that in the process of working or, or taking part in, in a, a public or an open kind of ritual, um, that you need to approach that with, I would say, almost kind of like a charitable mindset. Yes. Um, that's one of the ones I've talked about over the years with a few people. What... What other things would you recommend as far as just, just you know, open ritual etiquette? You, you in, 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 in all your years, you have been a part of a couple of different covens. Mm -hmm. You have all of those trainings and initiations within Wicca, which mm -hmm. is highly structured, and, and there's a lot of big ritual there. Um, and I know that you've done a lot of, of like public ceremonial and ritual work over the years. In, in all the time that you've been doing that, what are some of the things that you have seen uh, good or bad that have helped you to kind of a d develop your own like this is this is protocol this is the way to be 
first and foremost, you probably want to show up comfortable, but not frumpy. Okay. I mean, if you show up frumpy, because that's what you have, that's what you have. You know, you shouldn't be turned away because of that. Oh, yeah. You shouldn't show up dressed to the nines, particularly for a public ritual, because you don't know what's going to be going on. I did a public ritual once, um, and it was like, it was almost like these people were out on like a date night, and he was in like a suit and a tie, and she was in like, like an evening gown. And okay. I was like, so we're doing a mill. I remember that now, actually, yeah. And they were like, what? And I was like, yeah, so sorry. Probably shouldn't do that. But, um, so, there's that. Dress comfortably and respectfully. Um, one thing that I will say is, I'm, I'm very much in agreement with Mike, if you're not centering the ritual, unless you are spoken to, shut the fuck up. Okay. I, I can't tell you how many times up north in, in where I hail from. Um, Ew, you mean Ogden? Yes. I was... We probably have people who live in Ogden who are listening to this. They're like, hey, wait a minute. Don't talk shit about Here's Ogden. the thing. I'm I'm from West Haven. I, you know, it's a quaint little town on the outskirts of Ogden. I graduated from Weber State University. I went to Da Vinci Academy of Science Arts. I, I have... I've done my time in Azkaban. 27 years of it, to be exact. Uh, actually, it was more like 25. But, um... So... I was... I would go into rituals, because I'd be asked to lead rituals. Because part of ritual, particularly public ritual, is performance. It's performative. In a way, it kind of needs to be. It needs to be. Otherwise, if you just had a group of people show up who just sat and meditated and then left after 30 minutes... Like, that's... Yeah. Yeah. That's not a ritual. That's that's a meditation group. Yeah. And so I'd have people show up and they would be trying to impose upon the ritual that I was leading. So it would be there there was one time we did a performative um it was we were drowning the dragon. It was the sign of like we are quelling the heat of the summer and moving into the cooler months. And I had, like, six people show up in, like, full ritual garb, pulled, fully prepared to LARP with me because they thought that I was killing a baby dragon. And when they showed up, and I looked at them, I was like, what are you doing? And they couldn't give me a real answer. I was like, this is, this is witchcraft. This isn't Dungeons and fucking Dragons. And I had to embarrass them in front of people. And then I had to call the cops to have them escorted out because they started getting vile. And I was like, oh my God. So don't show up and impose your beliefs on it. If you are so unmovable and unwavering in your belief and in your the, the way you like things done, you probably shouldn't go to a public ritual. If you go to a public ritual and you're and the first thing you're going to be doing is I wouldn't have done that. Well, I wouldn't have done that. Oh well, I wouldn't have done that. Oh well, that's weird. That's not actually what's how how that goes. And you're telling people that because you brought your little sick fans because this has happened too. Um, you you just need to stay home. A public ritual is not a place for you to wave you wave you wand around and see whose whose besom is bigger. That's that's not. 
that's not the place for it because there are people there who are legitimately trying to click into something and the person who's centering the ritual is most likely also trying to click into something and when you show up and you know you have to start and someone goes wait why aren't we casting a circle what's going on do you want us to be attacked it's like hold hold up you're not the one doing this and um, so, so there's that. And then also when you show up, don't expect to be the star of the show. Yeah. I, th- I think in the process of doing like, like an open ritual uh, like that, kind of something like that with a, with a group or a public ritual, um, really the, the only person that would get anywhere near being the star of that ritual would really probably be the person centering it. Mm-hmm. And even then, they're not really the star because they're in a position of service. Yes, they are. Um, so you're, some of what you were just sharing there has me like a couple of questions. Okay. Okay, so you talked about how, and we both, both of us, talked about how if you are not the one centering the ritual, that you probably need to stay quiet. Okay, but... Well, I use the, the phrase, shut the fuck up, but yes. Well, I did earlier too, but, but okay, but to clarify what we mean by that, okay, it, it is not that you can't ask questions. Say if you're very new, right, it is not that you can't ask questions. And in fact, most experienced... Uh, practitioners who have done like public ritual kinds of kinds of workings, right? These kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Most of them actually will understand that there will be people who are one either very new, yeah, are completely unfamiliar with the tradition or practice of origin that's going to be used for that ritual, and most experienced ritual leaders or elders will actually allow time prior to the start of the ritual proper for those kinds of questions. Mm-hmm. Right, so it's not that you can't go go to these things, and uh, you know, it's not that you're not allowed to ask questions. But I guess it really comes down to okay, like read the room, is now the right time? You know, if things have already started to happen, chants are being done, you know, whatever. Right, you you missed your cue, you missed your chance. You know, you you might need to wait. Okay, now, so so would you agree? I would agree with that. Um, I. I usually have a spiel that I give mm-hmm. before any public ritual I do. Yeah. Um, and depending on the ritual, depends on what it is, but it all follows the same structure. I am not Wiccan. I will not be leading a Wiccan circle. We will not be casting a circle. We will not be calling quarters. If you're coming here and you are nervous about that, please either ask me a question or let me know now so I can let you out before we start. Um, we will be calling on spirits that you probably will be uncomfortable with because of the names. Okay. Sometimes I will call on Lucifer. Yeah. Um, if you have questions, please seek me after. Do not approach me during. Um, and then I usually do... And do not look me in the eye. Do not look me in the eye. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, actually, some, most of the time I would prefer to people do that in ritual because it makes them really invest um, that's true you can tell they're committed if they're kind of like if they're willing to look you in the yeah. eye you're like you're really here mm-hmm. okay um, I let them know that we will I usually inform them of what we're gonna be we're gonna be doing that night you know we're gonna be doing a mill I ask if anyone's ever done a mill and if people are like no then I explain it to them um, so I, I have a spiel beforehand so that okay. way I just kind of address the most common questions we get and then I Again, does anyone have any questions, comments, concerns, or curses? Well, I mean, would you say or would you agree that in 
doing something like that and having a process like that where you're going to kind of give them a little bit of a heads up. Like, you may not necessarily let them know entirely what's going to be going on during the ritual, mm-hmm. uh, but in letting them know, like, this is what we're doing, this is the process we'll be using, this is maybe what you can expect. Yeah. Right? Um, and, and just, you know, very briefly. You know, um, that, I think... It, you want we we want to do that when we're leading ritual or, yes. or something like that because really we want anybody who has taken the time to join us anyone who has taken the time to really show up for that we want that to be a good experience for them mm-hmm. we we need that to be a good moment for them because if it isn't then in my experience that's kind of a failed ritual actually yep. if half the people in the room immediately click off because something happened that made them uncomfortable right Ugh, your ritual's fucked right um and so so you want them to be aware and you want them to be engaged you want them to ideally have a good time yes you know um so my other question you know when we're talking a lot about etiquette and I, I think it's always important to remember that that etiquette in a situation like this isn't just on the people the newbies who may be joining the people who are leading the ritual are also bound by etiquette yes so in looking at the some of the dynamic that we've already mentioned there okay what responsibility would you say someone has someone who is centering a ritual like mm-hmm. this what responsibilities do they have other than the one of course what you were just sharing right mm-hmm. with like like educating and talking to the people in attendance right uh say someone in the ritual for whatever reason starts to you know like they're yeah, for whatever reason they're having a bad experience mm-hmm. you know, maybe you've got somebody who's got a health concern of some sort right you know we, we see this happen sometimes too right we get people here and we like well, we're going to be working a mill Right, or we're going to be doing a mill, or we're going to be doing something physical to raise energy, or to kind of direct the intention, you know. And um, you know, and and there may be someone in the room that's like, well, I have issues, you know, like I can't, I can't stand up for the next half an hour. Like I, mm-hmm. you know, I might be good for ten minutes, but then I'm going to need to sit down, mm-hmm. you know. And so, in having say something like that happen, or who knows, maybe we've had this happen too, where we've done rituals and we've called in, particularly when working with Hecate, mm-hmm. where we've called her in for a particular purpose and we've had people in that ritual have such a strong connection that like they they like crumble like they break down into tears like Mm -hmm. they are having a release and it's really powerful for them um you know and usually seems to be a good thing for them um but during the middle of a ritual that can really kind of hinder your flow Mm -hmm. so as someone who is centering or leading a ritual what what would you say to our listeners what really is kind of what is the responsibility there that's one of the reasons why i like having my coveners involved okay um or when i was wiccan i'd have my working partner involved Um, you were wiccan yeah you know this go on you can call me lord high priest fluffy pants mcgee papa wicca oh okay Actually, my I cannot reveal my name to you. Actually, I know your you know name. It. I know your name. You know it. It's on a piece of paper in my right shoe. Is that why my back hurts? Probably. Um, but um, that's why I like to have a cub member, usually, or or like I said when I was working my working partner, or one of the second degrees, or even the first degrees, um, helping out. Because they would be able to, um, their entire job, they were watchers, is what we called them. Okay. You you stand by, you lend energy in the way you know you, you can, but the minute you see someone fall, the minute you even perceive someone is uncomfortable, you lock onto them and you, you watch them like a hawk. And if they go down, you go and you get them out. Okay. Um... Traditionally, you would usually have 
burly men doing it, just because... Um, it's hard to find burly men at a lot of rituals now. Yeah. Um, so usually my watcher in our full moon rituals is actually uh, Wendy. Okay. Um, and it's, who is not a... Just to be clear, who is not a burly man. No, Wendy is not a burly man. Okay. Wendy is a very is a very beautiful woman. But Wendy is also very strong mm-hmm. and has a way of commanding energy when she steps into her power yeah. that if someone goes... She is right there, and they're out. I yeah. like she, she. I think she had to do it once or twice, mm-hmm. just because the the mill got too much, and she yeah. had to get someone out. Gotcha. Um, they weren't breaking down or anything. They were just like, oh, oh this is a lot. Yeah. Um, and I didn't even realize they had been pulled out of the mill until I okay. was surveying. Yeah. Um, it's also my job to not only make sure that the 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 ritual is going but the energy is going it's my job to hold space and direct so the last full moon ritual we did i was it's my job to gauge where we are at and it's my job to push but it's also my job to know when i'm when i need to back off Okay. Um, it was very frustrating last full moon because I was like telling people to push, and there were just like people who were just like, just well, moseying I, I, around. I, I find that's true. I think a lot of people, particularly given some of their past spiritual uh, involvement, I think a lot of people they show up to a ritual and they either expect like church, like we're all just gonna sit here and pray, you know. Um, you know, or, you know, I, I guess, I guess, I guess that's it really. Like they show up and they don't realize like, no, we're going to move. We're going to get loud. And like, and you're, you're going, if you're here and you want to partake in this, you, you need to be right in there in the mix of that as well. Mm -hmm. You know, when the witchy mosh pit gets going, well, you better start jumping, you know? And yeah. So, so that's part of it, but you also need to make sure you, as the person who is centering the ritual, who's leading it, it's your job to realize that not everyone... Pro- it's your job to remember that not everyone has prob- probably had your training. Oh, well, you know, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I can say I've had a lot of training, and you, you can vouch for this, because we, we've had conversations for this, and all the coven members can. You drop me into a ritual, I know what the fuck I'm doing. I, I, I'm going, I know what to do, I'm structured, I can read the room, I can read the energy really well, and if I don't know, like, if I'm like, I feel that I'm not supposed to be doing this, I back off, and I go to the sides mm-hmm. and I push. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> because that's what you're supposed to do. That's how my high priestess has taught me. That's how I how I teach my students. So, it. But it's also my job to make sure that I'm not having people. You know, if I'm looking at the room, and you have one or two really spry individuals, but then the other ten people in the room mm-hmm. are like fairly older individuals who are walking are with canes ageist? no who are walking with canes okay or are, are visibly like they are in pain already mm-hmm. or uncomfortable it is my job then to be able to go on the fly and shoot from the hip and go okay obviously i can't have us do a full spiral dance tonight because this isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. So instead, in my mind, I have to structure it around while still staying in the framework of the working that I was planning. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is why when people are like, oh, I'm leading a, a ritual, I'm like, 
Oh no, because there are two ways it can go. It can go really, really well, mm-hmm. or it will go completely bad, and there will be no structure. It will be left so open-ended and loose-ended that it's just no one knows what they're doing, not even the person leading. Okay. So, so you have to be able to, on the fly, accommodate. And you have to do it with compassion. And if someone approaches you and they say, I'm very uncomfortable with this, your response shouldn't be, buck up. Your response should be, do you want to talk about it or do you want to sit and observe? You should always let there be room for it for, for someone who wants to observe. Okay. Because someone could get there and they could be completely gung-ho. Mm-hmm. And then you start doing the initial evocations, black spirits and right, red spirits and gray. And mm-hmm. they're like, nope, I'm done. I can't do this. This is too triggering for me. I'm going to go sit down. Yeah. And as long as you make it clear, I'm very open to this. If you need this, let me know. You have to be vulnerable and compassionate enough and create a safe enough feeling environment mm-hmm. that those individuals who are in the ritual feel safe enough to talk to you. Okay. So speaking of safety, okay, and let's talk about a- another issue that I see. And I don't know if this is necessarily something I would consider etiquette, because usually this would be an interaction that you would have, uh, excuse me, ritual etiquette, because usually this would be an interaction. I would hope this would be an interaction that you would have prior to you know, actually showing up for the ritual, right? Mm-hmm. So say you are someone who's going to be centering or leading a ritual mm-hmm. or, you know, a group of people who are going to be doing that, right? And, you know, and you've uh, put this out there, right? Like you've put this on, I got a, who knows, who knows a meetup, a social media website, you know, whatever, right? Um, <clears throat> and you've, you've kind of have made it clear to the public, like, we're going to be doing this thing, right? You know, and then um, people contact you in some way to ask you, like, well, can you give me more information? Like you, at that point, you owe it to that person to give them more information. Mm-hmm. If you can't do that, then you shouldn't fucking be leading that ritual. Um, you know, because inevitably you are going to have someone show up who is going to be totally unprepared and they are going to have a bad time mm-hmm. and probably ruin everybody else's time in the process. Yes. Um, so you, you owe it to educate people on what to expect. And I'm, I'm bringing this up because you talked about safety. Yes. Right. And it's very important. I think one of the things that we talk about and we, we, you know, we've mentioned this on the podcast a lot and we, we have this conversation with people, uh, in our other classes and people that come into the store a lot, but ritual work in the process of witchcraft, folk magic, conjure, whatever the tradition may be, whatever it is, ritual work, spell work, these kinds of things are meant to challenge you. Yes. They are meant to challenge you and they are meant to make you step outside of a comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And they're not they're not meant to traumatize you. Yes. They are not meant to leave you feeling victimized. True. They are not meant to create a space for people to prey on you in whatever Correct. way. And that's P-R-E-Y, pray. Um, so so it's it's tricky that because I think a lot of people... Eat the pray you love. There you, exactly. Um, so I think a lot of people, they come to those kinds of things and they maybe feel a sense of discomfort and they immediately go down a path of fear and they're like, oh, this must be bad. This was a bad thing. I shouldn't mm-hmm. have been here. This didn't work for me. Right. And it's like, no, no, no. It's supposed to challenge you. Yes. It's supposed to make you feel a little uncomfortable. That's the point. Mm-hmm. That's growth. Well, and that's why normally at the beginning of something you should ask, 
-hmm. who has done something like this before who's done a full moon ritual before um i mean the last full moon ritual everyone raise their hands i was like okay during that full moon ritual did you and then i listed off the things that we were going to do in our ritual yeah no one someone actually raised their hands like i thought we were just gonna like make moon water that's because you get a lot of light workers coming into your your full moons i know and then they get scared um you're actually giving them a taste of real power and a lot of the times they just can't handle it um and so i usually will okay this is a teaching moment um, so yes, it is meant to be a safe space for you to feel like you can explore, but it should also challenge you. I will say this. If you ever call the shop and you ask, what are we doing for this full moon ritual? I will tell you, I do not know because I very rarely am very like super like, like I do not have the full moon, the full moon rituals planned out for the year. I just don't. I'm, I'm not that type of person. There are certain things that I do that with, but full moon rituals, I'm a good enough witch that I'm, I can kind of fly by the seat of my pants when it comes to that. Well, that's just kind of how you tend to approach your practice as well, though. You're very much, uh, like you, you, you have the, the outline of it, of something, but then the details really don't start to formulate until a couple of hours before. Mm -hmm. A couple hours before, sometimes a couple days. There have been times with like the full moon ritual where I'm like, no, this is what we're doing. This is what I'm going to do. And I have a good idea around it. But depending on how many people are there, how many people I'm anticipating, am I anticipating coven members? Because if I'm anticipating coven members to be there, then I'm like, okay, I can do a little bit more because I know that I will have them able to back me. If I'm not going to have any coven members there, then I'm like, okay, maybe I should fall back on the framework of a Rickon ritual where I will cast Circle. I will call Quarters, because these are things that people are comfortable with. Granted, I will do it in how I would do it if I were to do it in our coven. Yeah. <laughs> okay. um, but still. So you should have that sense of like, mm, I don't know. Um, but you should also always understand that if someone knows what they're doing with a ritual... You, you need to come with a level of trust around that. Okay. So, so that would be something that would be a responsibility of the attendee. Mm-hmm. Like, come with maybe not trust, but with, like, a hope. Yes. <laughs> you know, this is going to go well. A belief, you know, a, a desire mm-hmm. this is going to go well. Yeah. Um, if, if the person who's leading the ritual starts mm-hmm. with a joke, because I, I, I will always start with a joke. I'll always try and mm-hmm. make everyone feel comfortable. I will break the ice. Yeah. And I will go as far as I need to to make everyone comfortable. Okay. Which means, last ritual, I said, okay, well, I'm going to go get the dog. And everyone was like, what? The dog? And I actively went outside because I heard Poppy. Mm, Okay. I went outside, opened the door, and brought her. And I was like, okay, well, here's our sacrifice. And people were terrified. And then I was like... Okay, I'm just kidding. We're not going to be doing that. I, I, I'm too much yes. of an animal lover. I was vegan for like four and a half years. I said, this is not what witchcraft is. This is not what witchcraft is about. Yeah. And then I gave Poppy a love and I kicked her outside. Um, okay. Well, I didn't kick her. I pushed her on her butt because she's a bear. Okay. Um, and people then felt a little bit more relaxed. I find that people actually get more on edge and like on guard when you tell them to silence their phones. Yeah, there is something about that. We do that a lot with classes, though, too. You know, where we're like, well, please turn your phones off because, you know, if we're going to be in the middle of something, we, we, you know, you paid money to be here, you know, like, or there's, you came here with purpose, you know, like, so be here. 
you know, and you know, yeah. But we, that's funny how you're because you're right. Mm-hmm. Everybody, like, as soon as you ask someone to turn their their phone off or silence their phone, they're like, "But I'll be cut away from the outside world." It's like, it's like that's like, the point. You're in the middle of a ritual. You're kind of supposed to be cut away from the outside yeah. world. Um, Turning your phone off is the equivalence of skyclad in today's world. That's true. Which is really probably the only skyclad I would ever really do because I'm of the opinion that. And I, and I want to be very careful about how I say this because I know that there are traditions out there where skyclad is very much a thing. Um, but I'm of the opinion that you should not have to work ritual skyclad um, because it that doesn't really do anything. Like, that's not helping you in any way. That's not helping you raise more power. And a lot of people talk about, well, it's about being vulnerable. And it's like, well, there are other ways to express vulnerability. Mm-hmm. You know, you could be standing there completely naked, but could be completely closed off emotionally to the experience of the mm-hmm. ritual. And it doesn't matter. You're, you're naked. You're vulnerable. But you weren't really vulnerable. Part, I will say this, part of being skyclad in a traditional Wiccan ritual mm-hmm. um, is to show that whilst there is a hierarchy, you know, you have your high priest and your high priestess, mm-hmm. everyone ultimately is still of the same flesh. And it's to also ensure no judgment because you're going to have people who have all of all walks of life you're going to have people who are big skinny muscular Mm -hmm. um curvy flat hairy hairless pale mold up not mold up you're going to have all walks of life of people people who have huge issues with their body and i can say that for me one of the things that i did take away from doing wicca for as long as i did was that when I'm in a coven setting, mm-hmm. I should feel safe enough with my coven members that if my clothes burned up in a fire, I would be fine. Okay. But we're not talking about a, a coven setting. We're talking about... Like oh, yeah, no. In a, in a public ritual, ritual setting, you should yeah. not be skyclad. Yeah. I, I no, was, no. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. And so I, that's kind of, I guess, where I wanted to go with that. I was like, if you're showing up to a just a, like a community event kind of ritual or a public kind of a gathering ritual... Yeah, you know, at your local metaphysical shop or whatever, and the first thing they do is, okay, everybody take off your clothes. Chances are that's probably not a ritual. You're probably at, like, a munch or maybe, like, some sort of weird swingers gathering, and yeah. you should probably get the hell out of there. Unless it's your jam. Exactly, unless that's unless you're into that, and then, you know, then stay and have fun. But, um, yeah, you, you don't need to take off your clothes. No. Okay, so, so, so far, we, we've talked a little bit about, you know, from the other side, because I think very often when we talk about etiquette in these situations, we, of course, we go to, oh, well, this is the responsibility of the attendee. D's, right? But from the sound of what we've been talking about recently, anybody who would be officiating or leading a ritual, you, you have a responsibility to educate. Yes. You have a responsibility to do the best you can Yes. to make sure that your attendees are comfortable. Yes, yes, yes. And that they feel safe. Yes. Okay, what about the concept of aftercare? Aftercare is most definitely something that is there. Um, it It's always a little awkward after a ritual because you can tell if you've done really good ritual or really good working because no one wants to leave yeah and then you as a facilitator is like i'm tired i want to go home you're like kicking people out and you're like Mm -hmm. i'm so glad everyone had a good time please stop by mcdonald's and get something salty yes eat something salty to ground and then they're like i'm just gonna hang out and i'm like please go home you don't have to, but you cannot <clears throat> yeah. stay here. Exactly. Yeah. So, but aftercare is a big thing. Um, you should be given time to decompress. Mm-hmm. You know, I i don't think I've ever done a ritual where I'm like, and we're done. Okay, cool. Get the fuck out. Yeah. 
there's always a check-in there's always an opportunity and a chance to share mm-hmm. your experience did you like it did you not like it was it what you expected was it completely the opposite mm-hmm. did you not feel anything is it something you would do again <clears throat> you know kind of all that stuff and then that also helps open up the floor for questions you know yeah. um there was one time where it was the first full moon ritual we did of the year, I do believe, and it was it was fairly it was fairly big, um, and we had fifteen people there, and I had Vlad, Wendy, I had almost half the coven there, and um, we were working a mill, and I I was doing some evocations that I had just kind of read about and learned about, and I was like, okay, well, it'd be fun to do, I guess, you know, let's let's see what kind of energy th- is there, um, nothing too crazy it's not like i was like let's evoke archangels in the the four gateways it was most definitely like you know i was looking at some jimmy gary stuff and i was like i could take this and i could kind of utilize it and and work it and it's a little wordy for me but i'm gonna i'm gonna see you know we were just doing some things and the whole purpose was transformation it was to transform any energy burdens or anything that we were carrying into power and then to reabsorb that power, so we start anew. Okay. And when I opened it up and people were sharing, there was a lot of, like, that was really good. Thank you so much. I've never been in a ritual like this. I had someone who was actually from Canada in the ritual. They, 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 were, they were in town visiting their family or something. And they actually knew my old high priestess because my old high priestess was... Her, is her current high priestess? Oh, okay. Um, so there was kind of a little, like a, a nice little connection there, you know. Um, and she was like, "Yeah, we don't do anything like this." And I was like, "I will tell you that I was the only person when I was in that coven who enacted anything like this, other, other than maybe one other person, you know." And so it was a chance to share, and you know, well, we we did this, and I don't know. Why didn't you do that? And it gave me a chance to go, well, because of this, you know? So it's always good to have that decompression moment. Okay. And talk very mundane things, too, because it helps bring people back. Well, okay, so uh, talking about that, okay, because this is, again, one of the other things that I want to say is, for for me, my take on this, my, my, my position or belief is that there is, getting back to etiquette, mm-hmm. there is, I think, some level of responsibility or attendees people who attend a ritual of whatever kind um i do feel that it is good for them or that they should feel a sense of responsibility at the end of that experience to kind of talk that experience out with other people Mm -hmm. you know um and there are many reasons for why that's beneficial right obviously that gives the person who officiated or centered the ritual an opportunity to say like did i do a good job Right? Is 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 this process working? Mm-hmm. Did this did, did this give the people who came the benefit that I'd hoped it would? Right. Um, but also having those conversations helps the people who attend those rituals. Um, they can, those can be very validating yes. kinds of interactions, right? Because sometimes people will have an experience in a ritual, and it'll be a very personal thing, right? Um, and then the ritual comes to a close, and they're left there kind of on their own with that, right? You know, and when we don't get some sort of external validation in an, in an experience like that, very often we 
you know, we start to doubt that experience, right? Mm-hmm. Or we, we question ourselves maybe with through through or, or for that experience, you know? And so it can be really nice, I think, to have those interactions because then you've got other people in the room that are able to say, oh my God, I saw the same thing. I felt the same thing, you know? Um, you know, and it might not always be that, right? It might, you might not get that kind of interaction. They might be like, you might have other people in the room like, I didn't get that, but I got this instead. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but the process of explaining that and sharing that gives both of those people it not if nothing else the understanding that something happened we we had different experiences of this but something happened mm-hmm. you know um and and that can be really important for, i think particularly for people who are very new who are looking for that first aha moment like that first like oh this is real kind of moment right you know um and that's a really great moment you know we love to see people have that moment um but uh what would you say to that do you feel something like that interaction would be an issue of etiquette, particularly when you've got other people in that space who have been very open and maybe have shared potentially very vulnerable things around their experience. Um, and, you know, and then you always kind of get to that one person in the corner that's like, like and they don't want to have anything or they don't want to mm-hmm. share anything. I hate that person. I'm always like, why? What are you doing? What are you doing? I don't um, hate that That was person. an oddly timed dog bark from Poppy in the background. I don't um, I don't hate that person. I feel sorry. All right. Person. Well, I, I say hate, but I don't really hate that person. I, but they're, they're, those people are frustrating because, they, for one, they, they kill the flow of the, of the moment mm-hmm. in that by taking that, like, oh, I don't want to talk about it. You know? I, I think that is perfectly in alignment with etiquette. You don't want to push someone to share something that's uncomfortable, you know? Um, and you should always allow yourself... Because, you know, I'm always the first to be like, yeah, no, we just worked a lot of energy, and I, as the centering, technically high priest, took that energy and directed it towards a means. Okay. I've channeled a lot of energy through me. I really do want to go home and just, like, do nothing. Um, But you, as the person who's centering the ritual, you have to stay there until, one, everyone is gone, until, two you have made sure everyone is okay and you've answered everyone's questions. Okay. That is your responsibility. And if you cannot do that, because that's happened several times to me, because I went to public rituals. Um, Ew. And um, I'd go up and I'd ask them, and their response was, <clears throat> I can't tell you that. Or, mm, you know, and they're shrugging you off. It's like, I'm literally showing an interest in your tradition. Yeah. Like, I'm showing you an interest. <clears throat> and if it's something that you can't tell me because you're oath-bound, that's fine. Your response would be, I'm oath-bound, I can't really share that, you know, or I'd have to check with one of my elders, or I'd have to check with my high priestess to see if I could share that, but, you know, if you want to stop by at a later time, I I could let you know, or you want to exchange information at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess that's just me, though. I go, I try and go, I guess I go a little above and beyond for people when it comes to stuff like that, Hmm. um, because I do want everyone to leave feeling that they have clicked into something, you know? Yeah. If, if they come and they've clicked in and they've had a genuine experience with Hecate or if they come in and they've had a genuine experience with Hecate who's led them and during this working they had that aha moment of I need to work with this spirit or this pantheon or this tradition awesome it's not much I can do about that but I can tell them I'm so glad that you had that experience and then you know they always are, are oh thank you thank you I'm like, you don't need to thank me you know, if you want to thank someone, this next Dark Moon, because I always use Hecate, usually. Mm-hmm. I'm always working with Hecate. Yeah. Um, I'm always like, you know, the next Dark Moon, sat out a plate of food and say thank you for this experience. Did you say sat on a plate of food? Sit out. Sit, 
Oh, like, like place, put yeah, a, like, put a plate of food out. Yeah. Okay. S-E-T. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I heard you say sit on a place of, or a plate of food. Yes, yeah, sit on was, a plate of food in honor of Hecate. I was like, that's a very interesting ritual, Austin. Um, so, you know, do that. And I give them instructions like that. So I think it's completely and totally fine to do that, but you also shouldn't push someone. I'm also going to say this, um, as an attendee, if you're feeling pushed and you tell them, like, I'm not comfortable sharing that. Well, yeah, and just leave it. There. Yeah, you know, and that I guess that is good clarification because yeah, in no way do I want to say like, oh, our talking is mandatory because no one can make you do that. And if anybody at the ritual is trying to make you do that, then yeah, you need to get the hell out and yeah. not go back. Well, as the person who's centering, people. I will say that I have pushed a little bit, okay, because I've either been directed by spirit or whatever to like, no, this is something you need to share. Yeah. Or I go, if you're comfortable, come talk to me afterwards, like after everyone leaves or. Let's go step aside afterwards. So that way, you know, hopefully I can either give you some sort of clarification or you at least have spoken it out loud so it solidifies in this room. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yes. Other forms of etiquette. Hmm? Do not, I repeat, do not show up to a public ritual wearing your crown like don't yeah like don't show up wearing a crown don't show up wearing any cords or anything like that you know because why 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 would that be an issue so here's the thing if you show up with cords you need to let the individual centering the ritual like this is why i'm showing up with a cord it is not because I have any position within your tradition, but it is I have a position within mine, and it is due to my oaths that I have to wear this. Okay. Um, that being said, if you're showing up and you have your, again, your big elaborate ritual robes on, and, and you show up with the circlet of a high priestess and your nose up in the air... That's disrespectful to the person who's centering the ritual. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I don't get dressed up for ritual. Half the time, like, particularly during the winter, I'm in sweatpants and a t-shirt. Well, I think, you know... Because I, I need to be comfortable. I, I know that. the people you're talking... Well, and I guess that, that's that's part of why I agree with you on this. Because if you're... There, there is a distinction. You mentioned earlier that ritual it does almost always involve an element of performance. Yes. But there also, I want to say, is a line there. Yes. Right? If you're working ritual in a capacity where no one in that room is raising any real power. Um, if it is legitimately just pagan theater. Really, yeah. I mean, that's really, that's what it is. It's pagan theater. Right? But then that's not really ritual. Yeah. Right? Um, at least not productive results driven ritual that you know that's, that's happening in witchcraft. That's veneratory right? ritual. That's, that's, that's paganism. That's yeah. not witchcraft. Um, <clears throat> you know, and so... So it would make sense, like, no, please wear something that you can move in. Please wear something that is comfortable, mm-hmm. you know, um, and because you're going to work. And whether that means you actually are physically moving your body or not, you're still going to be in a space with other people who are mm-hmm. working. It's going to get hot in there. Mm-hmm. The well, energy and, is flowing in there. And that's one of the reasons I know my old high priestess told us about, was like, you have to, like, sky clad. is because, one, you might be uncomfortable, like, physically, but mm-hmm. when we start moving you don't need the restriction of jeans or a material like that. She's like, because what's going to happen is you're going to kneel down to do something and what if your pants rip? Then, 
You're going to be naked anyway. I don't have that problem because I always wear my Lululemons when we do ritual. Yes, I know. Good for you. I don't have Lululemons. (laughs) My ass is too fat for that. (laughs) Um, Mine too. um, Um, So, okay. So, you know, what about, okay, so hold on. So, um, going Also helps regulate temperature. Uh, well, yeah, there is that. Okay. But it also, it seems to me like a lot of the times the people that do that, they show up. I, I find less and less it's not people who are really overly experienced in any oh, kind no. of practice. It's the people that really, they aren't experienced. Yes. And like you said, where you made the comment or you, you, you used the phrase earlier, these people that show up that are like, they're live action role playing their witchcraft. Yes. You know, and it's like, okay, you can wear your cloak, you can wear these things, but we're here to do this and you had fun bringing all of that into the space, but you're going to need to take it all off and leave it near the door because that shit is just going to get in the way, Mm -hmm. you know? And, you know, and, and I think that that's, that is sometimes again, another important piece to be sharing when we talk to people about this is what to expect. You know, we're going to be asking you to move. We're going to Mm -hmm. be asking for people to to take part in this particular Mm -hmm. way. So please don't, don't wear your Sunday best. Yes. Don't wear really tight, restrictive yeah. clothing. Don't wear your your Lord of the Rings Galadriel fucking costume. I mean, that no, would be gorgeous, like, and I would be jealous as fuck. But but, yeah, but that's not going to be conducive to real ritual. No, work. it will not be. So anyway, yeah. I, 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 I will say this. There's other things you need to not do as well. Unless you were explicitly instructed to bring an athame or a wand or mm. a staff, mm-hmm. don't. Yeah. Just don't do it. Because I... I, Can you explain why that might potentially be an issue? Well, one, safety. Okay. Safety. You know, if someone shows up and they're carrying a fucking sword and I don't know who they are, I'm like, who are you? Yeah. Why are we doing this? Mm -hmm. Um, But same thing goes with, like, your besom or your wand or your staff. Because, one, you might have just brought that for no reason. And on top of that, you're probably bringing your own personal things into that space into that working and you should just bring yourself you shouldn't bring you know your great 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 grandmother's walking stick um because it means so much to you was your grandmother a witch well no she was actually very very lds okay so then you're bringing that energy into this space and i I can dominate that fucking energy like it doesn't matter i'll be like okay fine whatever but that's disrespectful to that spirit. Yeah. On top of that, your ritual tools need to stay in your ritual space because they are your ritual tools. Okay. Now, on top of that, there could be some protocol around where you're going where <coughs> that's probably not going to be the best, most conducive thing. Bringing in an, a weapon, like an, a sword into a ritual space can be seen by the spirits that the person centering the ritual, it could be seen as antagonistic and you could get attacked. Yeah. You know, on top of that, you don't need the bits and the bobs. The bits and the bobs should be provided for you mm-hmm. by the individual leading the circle. Yeah, if someone is leading a ritual, they they should be prepared to have everything that you will need. Yes. For that ritual. Which is why I tell everyone that you need to pre-register for my full moons. Mm-hmm. So that way I don't show up and I'm like, oh, cool. I only have five people. This is how much stuff I need to get. And then, you know, I come in the day of an hour before to get set up. And it's like, you have 25 people now. And it's like, well, I have five, five chime candles. Mm-hmm. 
Looks like I'm using the ritual to get the other candles for everyone else. You know? So, because I will still do that. I will still go and I will still provide it. Um, so those are the reasons why. Um, on top of that, you could risk getting getting one of your tools damaged. You know, if you bring your yeah. staff and you're working in your milling and you trip and you fall or you whack someone in the head and it breaks, that's on you, man. That's not on anyone else. That's on you. Mm, yeah, very true. All right. Did I answer that? Uh, adequately. Um, you think of any other points or things? I'm sure as soon as we stop recording, I'm going to be like, oh, here were eight more things. But at the moment, I'm just, I think we, because we've been fairly broad in our approach to this topic, we really have kind of covered everything. Um, Follow the simple rules of etiquette you would when you go to someone's house for the first time. Oh, you know, one other, and I this might seem silly to people. Well, maybe not. Okay, so, because this happened to me years ago, okay? Um, a lot of people, when they conduct a ritual mm-hmm. in a public way, right, they go through the process of structuring that working, and they do all that, they, they, they open that up to people, you know, and they come to that ritual, and that experience is really primarily tailored specifically for the people who show up. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, and what happens during that time is something that is not secret necessarily, Mm -hmm. but there can be experiences and things that can happen in those times that can be very like, like you probably don't now want to go out into the world and broadcast this experience to everybody that you meet. Mm -hmm. Right. And I had an experience years ago where I led a ritual and I had um, some uh, women come a group of women come to this ritual and you know and and they were lovely you know no no problem you know and even even now after you know it's like you know there's no problem you know i'm not mad at anybody but they they had a couple of them like a pretty uh big experience that night during that ritual and they left and they over the course of the following weeks told all of their close friends and all their people about this experience right you know wonderful nothing wrong with that necessarily Mm -hmm. right but it probably would have been good for them to run that by me first because what happened in that ritual that night, that was a very like one time only we're doing this because the lunar phase is right. This planet is in the right situation, right? There were a lot of things that went into like, this can only be done this time. Right. And then they went and they told all their friends about it. And I had, um, just, I think it was like less than a month later, um, a woman show up who told me, well, my friend told me to come and see you. I was doing a reading. She's scheduled mm-hmm. to come see me for a reading. And she's like, my friend told me to come and see you. And I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, what, what can I do for you? She's like, oh, well, I don't really need a reading, but I wanted to talk to you about this ritual. You know, and and that was how I knew that these women had gone out and had basically advertised their this ritual and this experience to everybody. Um, you know, and so, I, and I had to disappoint this woman. I had to basically tell her, like, well, I that's probably not a ritual that I would probably be able to do again for, like, easily, like, another... 15, 16 years for these reasons, Mm -hmm. you know, so I'm so sorry, but no, I'm not going to be scheduling anything like that again anytime soon. Like I do rituals a lot, but I won't be able to do one like this again anytime soon, you know, Um, and I'm kind of not happy that your friend felt the need to go and, you know, market this to Mm -hmm. to everybody that she knew. Like I'm so happy she had such a good experience, but this was a very personal thing. This was meant to be a very personal thing. You know, and for her to do that kind of left me feeling this woman that joined the ritual had kind of left me feeling like, like this would, for you, like, like it was almost felt like this, so for you, this was just entertainment mm-hmm. is all this was, you know, and then you had to take this and you wanted them to use this to gossip and to, you know, to, 
have the you know the popular chit chat with your buddies, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you know, and then, you know, fine, whatever, right? But um, but I felt kind of like through the process of doing that, it's like you lost the purpose, you lost the meaning and the benefit of this ritual, and you probably should have asked me like, is this something maybe that would be okay for me to share with people? Right. Um, that's one issue I have with that. Beyond that, I think it's important, and this people will will people who are not how to word this people who have not had to deal with the less savory elements of the witchcraft community and folk magic community because every magical community deals with these kinds of people. Mm-hmm. We all have these kinds of people that we run into at some point. But when you go to a public ritual and you have a really cool experience. And then you take that away and then you share that experience with other people. There are unethical and shady people out there who will steal that ritual. Yep. And decide, oh, now I'm going to do this too. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, and it's not that we don't share things in our communities. We absolutely do. But when someone who maybe shouldn't be because they haven't really earned it shouldn't be leading that ritual decides oh i'm gonna do this mm-hmm. they they potentially they're they're gonna fuck it up really really mm-hmm. well and they could put the people that attend that ritual in a bad situation yeah yeah no i i agree with that i was actually gonna say one thing i want i want to let everyone know just because you go to one ritual doesn't mean that you know how to now lead rituals yes oh god you know do you know how many I guess I'm not really a good example, because I was like... I don't think you and I are ever really good examples. I I, I, I wasn't confident and ready enough. You're, you're never really ready to lead a ritual. Like, you're never, like... It's kind of one of those things where, like, you're never ready to step on stage and perform for the first time. No? Like, you'll be prepared. No. You'll have your, your song memorized and all that other stuff, but it's still live, there's still something that could go wrong. You could still step out on that stage and the the lights could be off or your mic could be off. Or... So it's not, so okay. So it's not necessarily that, that you, it's not an issue of readiness. It's an issue of being honest and understanding that you're never, we're, none of us are ever really 100% in control. Exactly. Of yes. What could or couldn't go on. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Um, okay. I remember the first public ritual I read, I, I read, I led actually, um, and I remember doing the evocation, um, and I remember my, <laughs> I remember raising my blade above my head, saying the incantation, and then trying to bring it down, but I was so in the moment that I raised my blade above the head, and everyone else in the group raised their hands above the head, and I, as I went down, I, like, caught myself on <laughs> you caught yourself on what? I caught my blade on my high priestess's cord. Your high priestess's cord. Yes. Okay. And like everyone was you've, fine. You've mentioned. Finish your story, and then I've got a question. And, for and, and as I like came down, it pulled it off, and it pulled her out of trance. And I was like, huh? and I, 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 I was <clears> like. I was like one of the the dance mom's kids if they forgot their dance on Abby with Abby Lee. I was like, she's going to kill me, she's going to kill me, she's going to kill me. And she simply just looked at me. She laughed and she said, she she said my name and she said, this is not a time for, this is public ritual, this is not a time for us to to disrobe. And I was like, "Hmm." 
and she put everything back on. It was fine. Everyone laughed. Um, so you have to be willing to laugh at yourself in a public or tool setting as well. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Because I, I fumble over shit all the time. I think it's good. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're in a, in a ritual with someone who, you know, like a mistake go, happens because we're human and, and it doesn't matter how many times you've done that ritual, mistakes are always possible. Um, you know, but that something like that happens and the person who's centering becomes a real dick mm-hmm. and they start yelling at people, just leave because that person is, well, a dick and they shouldn't be leading ritual. Um, okay. I want to ask you because you've mentioned this twice now, you've talked about cords mm-hmm. and for the benefit of our listeners, um, would you explain what, what that is? I'm for people man. maybe who don't know. Okay, then I'll do it. So, <laughs> no, I can do it. <laughs> um, so a chord or a cingulum is, um, it serves several things. It is a measure of rope or a measure of cord um, that is usually about nine feet in length. Well, that's a um, Wiccan thing. Um, but it needs to be like your height. At least it has to be your height plus three. Sometimes mm-hmm. um, it's used to mark out the parameter of your ritual working area um, to contain things. Uh, the practical use is to hold your robes up. Um, it is also in an initiatory path that utilizes the chingulum is a symbol of lineage from teacher to student. And so having uh, your priestess give you your tingulum to in a in a ritualistic manner is a sign of like i have now passed on this level of knowledge to you and then normally depending on the tradition there would be different colors to signify different ranks and then you would usually braid them together or so on and so forth so so that's what it is it's 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 a sign of lineage it's a sign of power and it's a sign of the cord that connects you to your physical body as well as the spiritual realms all right. No, not every every tradition doesn't use every tradition cord, right? does not use a cord. Um, there are people out there who will live and die on the hill that no, no, no. Traditional witches use the cingulum, and all I can say is, no, they didn't. The only reason that most traditional witches would have had something like that was to hold up their pants or their or, or their robe closed, or their cloak closed, and to hang their tools from. Okay. All right. Sorry, I just wanted you to clarify that because you were, you've talked about cord a couple of times now, and, and I'm like, people who are really, really new might not know what the hell we're talking about. Yeah, when I'm talking about a cord, I'm talking about, like, a, a little, a literal cord. Yeah. Like, a physical cord. Yeah. I don't... Our, our coven doesn't do the cord thing. No, it does not. And... Yeah, and, and I think for that reason, I've always... It's always been weird for me to like interact with other covens that do use a cord. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not saying that that that, that you know what the, their process is wrong or anything. I just I'm, I'm almost kind of like that's that's some very interesting physical symbolism of your connection to a tradition. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, I still have my third degree. I know you do. Um, all right. I'm still required to wear it if I lead a Wiccan ritual. Are there any pieces uh, back on the, the focus of our, our episode, our topic of etiquette? Or is there anything we haven't really touched upon? Not, not really, I don't think. I mean, ritual etiquette is very important, and public ritual etiquette in particular. Um, 
it is important. And you want to make sure that you show up and you let the, the, the center know, whoever is centering the ritual, mm-hmm. if you have any allergies as well. You know? Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a very you good know, point. Th- things like that. Particularly if there's going to be a feasting thing. If you are showing up to a ritual and you know there will be some sort of feast or eat afterwards and you have a dairy gluten allergy, so therefore you're vegan and also you can not do grains, but also you're keto. Like, it is your responsibility, not the person centering the ritual. It is your responsibility to ensure that you have brought something for you. That issue of allergies, though, could extend to other things, right? Because there are Mm -hmm. a lot of... We have this happen in our coven where we'll get the, the cauldron going or mm-hmm. the, the source of fire going and it'll get very smoky. Yep. And we also, we burn a lot of herb and incense in mm-hmm. some of our ritual and um, allergies exist. Yes. Right? To those things as well. Yes. So, so you need to let someone yeah. know. Um, and if you're like, well, no, I think I can handle it. You mm-hmm. also need to be willing to be graceful enough to bow out if you are not handling it very well. Okay. How, do, how does that work? Because we talked a lot about how, you know, if someone starts to have an issue, you know, during a ritual, the responsibility of maybe say the person centering it or maybe their, their, their assistance, mm-hmm. right. To kind of help those people stuff. Like you talked about Wendy helping people out mm-hmm. of a ritual when they started to maybe have a little bit of an issue. Right. Um, but when you look at that from the perspective of those people, people who are attending a ritual, particularly if they're very new to an experience mm-hmm. like that, I think a lot of the times they're, they're afraid. They're like, oh, if I, oh, something bad could happen or they're going to get angry with me if I sit down or if I step out. Um, you know, and I, so what what would you say, what would be the etiquette for something like that? Um, it's, it's very much like excusing yourself to go to the bathroom when you're in college. Okay, but you're not going to like, you're not going to announce that you're stepping no. out of the ritual. You're just, well, no, you don't announce that you're going to the bathroom to be a professor either. You just get up and go. Okay. You know, it is more respectful for you to just go, I can't handle this. Pull yourself out. If you're milling, mm-hmm. you know, make it as smooth as possible. Don't just stop and halt everything. You know, use your fucking brain. Yeah. But allow yourself to just gracefully move out. Yeah. And then find whoever is centering the ritual mm-hmm. or whoever is the watchers yeah. and tell them, like, I'm having an issue. I need to step out. And they will assist you in being removed. Yeah. And that is their job. And that's so their job. To help you. Yeah. And if, they, if they, and if they will not allow you to sit down or to step out, there's a problem with that ritual. Yes. And there's a problem with that ritual. And if anyone goes, I'm sorry, but if you're leading a ritual and, and this is something I always had a problem with, with, with Wicca. My high priestess will, she will vouch for this is, I'm sorry, but if breaking the parameters of the circle or the working area, like creates such an energetic disrupt that everything's ruined now, you're not a very good witch. Yeah. You're not a very good witch. You don't have a very good connection to your spirits. Yeah. And if your spirits are that fickle, probably shouldn't be, you know, trying to lead a public ritual. Gotcha. That's that's just my opinion, and I think it's a pretty solid one. Yeah. I I can't tell you how many times it's been like, oh no no no, you know. So um, so but yes, use the attendee need to do that, but it's also up to the person centering the ritual to ensure that they're watching as well. Yeah. Um, I I will say that sometimes when I'm centering a ritual, I do kind of trance out just a wee bit. 
So because of that, you might need to actually try and get someone's attention a little bit more. But that's, again, that's what the watchers are for, to not disrupt the ritual. That's right. Well, yeah, because, I mean, if, you, if you're, for, I mean, if you're, uh, if you have the luxury of having assistance, you know, to help you center a ritual, that, that is, you, you raise a very good point. Sometimes the person who is, is leading that, that situation is going to be working with energies or, or potentially even being ridden mm-hmm. by spirit in a way where they may not be consciously aware of what is happening to the humans in that space any longer. So again, that definitely is some benefit there to having a couple of people who are kind of paying attention to the crowd. Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. I think we got everything on etiquette. I think so. You know, we touched We talked about the big things, you know, and again, I, I want to say, you know, this was a tricky conversation or, or topic when we first looked at, at speaking on this on the podcast, because these kinds of things, etiquette, these kinds of things are going to vary so, you know, potentially radically from tradition to tradition, right? Like what is totally appropriate in a gathering that is more Wiccan centric is going to be really, really weird for a group of folk practitioners or a group of traditional witches, right? Um, you know, no one in that situation is wrong, right? No one's doing ritual wrong, Right. But um, but it is it's definitely um, very, very different kind of a kind of a thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're just I'm just going to touch on some things. Um, oh. OK. We do not run on pagan standard time. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Show up on time. Some sometimes it's just, you know, I always hear that. Oh, well, pagan standard time. Huh? We're starting 20 minutes late. No, no, we're not. We're not 20, starting 20 minutes to an hour late. At seven o'clock, the 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 space is locked. You know, yeah. if it starts at that time, the space is locked. Usually, the one centering will be going into their spill, yeah. so you'll have a little bit more time to get in. Yeah, but... we usually give people like 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 about a five minute leeway. Mm-hmm. But if you're if you're later than five minutes to a, a public ritual situation, you missed it. Mm-hmm. Don't don't try to hurry up because you're going to probably end up interrupting something yep. and you're going to look like an asshole. Yeah. So do be a part of the solution when it comes to these things. You know, uh, do not arrive late. Arrive a little early, a little early. That also means don't arrive two hours early and expect someone to just cater to you. Do pay attention to what's going on around you and what other people are doing for clues about what you should be doing. If two or more participants who aren't leading the ritual are doing something such as turning to face a certain direction, you, you should probably do it too. Yeah. You know? Uh, do silence your cell phone. Yeah, well, we talked about that. Right? Turn, your, about turn your, phone your phone off. Do participate as well, fully I, as I possible. Would, I would go so far as to say, actually, if you can, leave your phone in your car mm-hmm. or like set your phone maybe like if you came in like like with a handbag or something like put your phone mm-hmm. in that and then set that off to the side yeah. because you, you you've been in a situation right and you understand that those kinds of workings with the energy that you raise yes. those that kind of energy can fry electronics yeah and you know i know a number of people over the years who have like have gone to pick up their phone and you know we best case the battery has been totally drained mm-hmm. worst case they're they, they had to go get a new phone. Something something fried something in their phone. Yep. Um, if you are going to a public ritual and you are the type of person who might need to be reached at a moment's notice for whatever reason, um, if it's at a shop, just let them know what shop you're going to. Yeah. Whoever will need to contact you or could need to contact you. Because at that point, 
they will contact the shop. The shop keep should go out, knock on the door. If it's here, for example, Mike has anyone who works behind the counter usually has a key in order to get into the classroom space. Mike will be able to unlock the door, come in and go, this is going on. This person needs to leave. And the ritual will either come to a halt and a pause and we'll use it as a chance for everyone to catch their breath or what have you. Respect the space that you're in. I cannot tell you how many mm. times, e- even, even if you're in a public space, rules are leave it cleaner than when you entered. Yeah. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've come into our space and there's empty bottles and things are just left there. And it's like, that's disrespectful to the space. And it's disrespectful to the person who's using it after you. Yeah. So if you are leading a public ritual, make sure, or if you're leading anything public, really, make or sure. if you're attending a ritual. Yeah. And if you're if attending. You take it in, take it out. Yes. Take If you take it in, take it out. Do not set things where it looks like it probably shouldn't be set. You know, I had someone try and set their yeah, phone. Use a coaster. Jeez. No, I had someone try and set their phone on our altar. Oh, that was one presumptuous and lazy of them, but also really stupid. Yes. Because our, our spirits would probably have had a whole lot of fun with that. Yes. And I'm like, your nudes are going to get sent out. Um, but I actually had to tell them, like, please don't put that there. You know, and understand the space that they're in might not function as a ritual space all the time. Mm-hmm. Our space here functions many things. It functions as a classroom. It functions as a coven meeting space, as a ritual space. And... For other things, I teach in there privately. Well, I also I know that like a lot of pagans in particular love to arrange like like campouts and things mm-hmm. where they'll go out into like you know nearby wild places mm-hmm. and they'll do ritual work, and they will destroy that that space. Yes, they will leave that place like litter, all the crap leftovers from their like rotting food, mm-hmm. you know, um, God knows what else, you know, and you know I've seen that happen. There is a, a very big pagan camp out that happens here mm-hmm. in Utah every year. And the people who organize that do not give a shit. Yeah. They go out and they tear up that campsite. They yep. do not care. And I'm like, you're not a pagan. You couldn't be to show this much disrespect to the wild mm-hmm. places. Well, this much disrespect to the spirits, the summer solstice gatherings in England at Stonehenge. Oh God. Yeah. They have to like absolutely destroy for like years because they got so sick of having to deal with all the yeah. vandalism and, and litter and everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, do participate as fully as possible. We've talked about this a little bit, but you don't want to be the person who's an energetic speed bump. So that means knowing your boundaries and knowing your limits. Thank your host after the ritual and offer to help clean up. That's always really, really nice. No, I probably will not say, yeah, sure, help me, depending on who it is. You know, if it's one of our one of our people, Bonnie or Michelle, shout out, um, then, yeah, I'll just say, yeah, will you move this over here? Will you do this for me? Because I can trust that they're not going to break it. They're going to do all they can to not break something. Yeah. Do, do tell your hosts if you notice someone acting in an inappropriate way, whether that's sexually, physically, emotionally, whatever it is, especially if minors are involved. Okay. Public rituals draw a wide variety of people. And some of them are just straight up dirtbags. Don't 
plan on being somewhere right after the ritual. It's probably, if it, if it runs late, yeah. you know, and you're sitting there and you're like, oh my god, we have to hurry, come on, like, I have some place to be, that's your problem, that's not anyone else's. Well, also, after a ritual, you are you can never really be entirely sure how you're going to feel. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you, you might, you know, you're, you might be in a headspace where you're like, now I, now I don't want to go to the big family reunion and deal with my very religious mm-hmm. family members, or now I'm, you know, I'm totally... You know, I'm I'm 12 feet off the ground with the energy and the spirits I've been communicating with. Now is probably not the time yep. to decide to go and take like you know my my college entrance exam. Exactly. You know, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, don't disrupt the ritual or the working by side talking or asking questions in the middle unless you have specifically been told you can do so. Save your questions for before and right. after. Well, we've already talked about these. Don't touch anyone's ritual tools or the altar or put anything on the altar without permission. Yeah, Austin, don't touch my tool. It's okay, you can touch it. Don't Don't show up to ritual or workings under the influence of alcohol or any other illegal substances. I thought that's what a ritual was. No. Oh, okay. It is not a party. Oh. But I wore my Galadriel costume. Good for you. Uh, don't take pictures of other participants without their permission or during the ritual. Just don't take pictures. Yeah. Don't make assumptions about people based on what they're wearing the people wearing the weirdest clothes may be may have a lot to teach you okay so never walk into a place of judgment and don't bring children's or animals to ritual unless you are specifically told it is okay yes so, if you bring children to our rituals here that's a sacrifice we'll eat them all right so there you go I can't tell you how many people are like, oh, can I bring my my five-year-old to the full moon ritual? It's like, no. No, you cannot. Yeah. Well, I thought this was about community. This isn't sacrament meeting, Becky. Yeah, it's like, yeah, that's exactly it. It's like, this isn't church. This You're not going to bear your testimony. You can fulfill a spiritual purpose in your life, but a five-year-old child is probably not going to appreciate that ritual. I know the craft is true because I love my mommy and daddy and I know the craft is is true and that the goddess loves me because I, 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 Okay, I, the, the mischief song, you need to wrap it up, sweetie. So that's what I hear when people are like, can I bring my kid? I'm like, no. Yeah, kind of. No. Yeah, kind of. No. Um, all right. So those are just some things, just a quick, simple rundown. Um, I think what we covered you, what it. What were you reading from? Was this a list you prepared? Yes. Ah, okay. I forgot that I had prepared the list. Gotcha. Okay, well, I appreciate you doing that. Even though we, we already kind of touched upon some of those things. I know, but eh, okay. reiteration. Yeah. Um, are we at an episode? Or? Yeah, we're at an episode. Okay, yeah. all right. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or anything like that, please go ahead and shoot them. If you've had a bad public ritual experience, please, I would love to hear that. I would love to hear listener stories. I think that would be something fun. You know, email us, send us contact, inform- you know, get in contact with us. I'd love to hear, like, the, the ritual stories that just made you go, huh. Yeah. Or the ritual stories that made you go, yes, this is what I want. You know, I would love to hear those stories. Um, You know, we will keep you anonymous if you would like. 
Um, we'll keep people anonymous. Yeah, we'll keep you anonymous. But if you're like, no, totally share it. I want a shout out. Cool. Be like, this story from blah, 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 who lives at this address. Oh, well, no, we won't say your address. cell phone number. Oh, okay. No, sorry. we won't do that. Just your name, you know? Okay. Um, and so, so, yeah, I'd love to hear that because there are some truly atrocious things. I'm going to submit I wanna a hear story. A, I'm going to submit a story to the podcast, like a personal story, only I'm going to submit it under an alias so no one will know it is mine. And I'm going to submit the story about how I shit my pants at a ritual. Everyone's going to know it's you. No, because I'm going to use an alias. But you just said it right now. So I need multiple people, if you're listening, to submit a story about how you shit your pants at a ritual, and then you won't know which one is mine. Hmm. Oh, God, I'm always I could, one step ahead. I could totally share my story. Yeah, I didn't actually shit my pants at a ritual, but there's this tiny part of me, just because I'm fucked in the head a little bit, that would be like, that would be hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Oh my god. Like, I, I'm sitting here now and I'm like, oh my god, I hope that would never ever happen to me. But if it did, I would be like, this is fucking hilarious. <laughs> this is a sign I'm not supposed to be here. Like, like I can't control it. Just pa- pass me that cauldron. <laughs> no. Not into the womb of the goddess. Well, I mean, there would be fire in it. I would hope not. Anyway. So, yes, share your stories. If you have other ideas or any subjects that you would like us to touch on, or, you know, there's something that you really want us to touch on more and delve deep into, cool, let us know. We are, are getting... talking? I am. Sorry. I, we're getting into spoopy season, so I think we are going to do another spoopy episode. What does that look like? I don't know. We need to figure that out, because I'm not sure. We tried to do, like, spooky stories last year... Yeah, and we did. We did good spooky we stories. We did spooky year. stories, but were were they spooky though? Because I we're not a good a good our judge. Our gauges off for that. This is a weird thing, and those of you who this will make sense logically. Those of you who listen to the podcast will probably be able to appreciate that when you deal with discarnates and malicious parasitic spirits and. Just weird, you know, curses and hexes, and you're called in to do banishings and exorcisms on people's homes. When you deal Children. with, yeah, when you deal with those things regularly, your lens for what is scary gets really, really skewed. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so I worry sometimes because we tell stories, and you know, people are like, oh my god, that was scary, and it's like, was it? You know, cool. it's like in, in the, you know, at the time, yeah, I'm sure, yes, it was terrifying, but oh my God, I've dealt with things that were like 10 times worse since that, that was, that was child's play compared to this shit that I've seen, you know? Um, and so, yeah, so it's interesting. And I, in no way do I want this to sound like a braggy kind of thing, because ideally we wouldn't have to deal with some of these experiences at all. Right. No one wants to have to go and perform an exorcism no one wants to have to you know remove a curse right no no, but it's it's you know when you've done it so often and it's just the norm like not the norm but like you know how many exorcisms no no, that's what it comes to that's what it is you know you live this life for for a while and when you're a medium you know people are like oh i saw a spirit or a shadow and it was scary and i'm like that's like waking up in the middle of the night to go pee for me like yeah (laughs) I'm always in the bathroom uh-huh. waiting for you. No, I mean it happened last night. Like I'm I was like, I'm like, I'm like, it's all tiny and curled up in the corner, like the kid from the Grudge. And then I kick you, usually, or I just throw Toby at you. Yeah, you're not really a hitter. 
That's funny. Wendy and I have that in common. She was telling me that the other day. She was like, when she gets scared, she, her first instinct is to swing or to punch. I do that, too. Like, I'm a hitter. If somebody scares me, like, they really scare me, my first instinct is to punch. My first instinct is to scream really loud, mm -hmm. um, which most likely will damage your ear hearing and eardrums. Yes, yes, you are very loud. And then to hit you. Cool. Or both at the same time. I'm not sure why we're talking about this now. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah. So yeah, we well, yes, we will figure out some sort of spooky episode. Well, we could we could share our stories, or we could just share some stories. Just you know, if you have scary stories that you would like, that's a good idea. If you have scary stories that you would like us to read, um, please submit them to us. Or or no, I mean I like that. Okay, but not only reading them, I would also like to extend the invitation that if you've had a scary experience and you're not quite sure what it was, or you would maybe like our insight into maybe what was going on yeah. or what you were dealing with, let us know. And we will we will respond or we will see if we can maybe shed a little bit of light on what's, what's uh, keeping you frightened in the dead of night. Yeah, I like that. So there's an idea. Um, hopefully you enjoyed this episode. It was kind of scoldy, I feel. Scoldy? Yeah. Really scoldy. I don't know. Aren't I, usually scoldy? I guess. But I enjoyed it because I, I love doing public ritual. I love, um, one, if y'all don't know me, I love the performance aspect of it, but I also like being able to, um... Yell at people? Help, no. Well, I do yell at people sometimes, um, in public ritual settings. Um, I like being able to put myself in the position of service to community and to the groups of people so that they can hopefully find their niche and find something that they like and that they enjoy yeah. and that they connect with. There's nothing more fulfilling to me than seeing someone click into something. And it happens. It's, just, it's a teacher thing. You know, when you see, yeah. you might have a 30 students in one class, but there's like three that are really getting it. Yeah. And that makes it all worth it. You, yeah. made, you made it through to three people who then can make it through to hopefully maybe one, two, or three more people. Yeah. And it just it just kind of goes. And sometimes people will never get it. And that's okay. And that's okay, too. You're right. We do love to spiritually turn people out. Yes. Yeah. So, do you have anything you want to share? No, just that I love our listeners. Yeah, we love and, you guys. And... Uh, yeah, and hopefully you will uh, enjoy this episode. And we will, of course, be back next week with uh, another another wow <laughs> wow um yes thank you thank you stay witchy